This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Mobile Hunters, the king of comfort has arrived. Go to tetherednation.com and check out the new Lockdown Saddle. Over the past two years, Tethered has tested and refined a new approach to their saddle lineup. The Lockdown Saddle takes the best-in-class features from the Phantom, like the Utilibridge, Comfort Channels, and included an expandable saddle body with their Lockdown Link construction to take saddle hunting to the next level of comfort. As if this wasn't enough, they developed Lockdown Haulers, which has a slightly rigid internal frame structure, so you can easily unzip, zip, and access haulers with one hand. And if you're a guy like me with no junk in your trunk and have issues with your saddle staying put while you're walking in to hunt, the Lockdown Modular Yoke solves this problem. Whether you're new to saddle hunting or an old tree climbing veteran, go to tetherednation.com for all your saddle hunting gear. Welcome to the Truth From The Stand Deer Hunting Podcast. I'm your host, Clint Campbell, and you're listening to episode number 360. Today, we're talking with my buddy, Austin Colbertson, and his one shot at redemption. So stay tuned. What is up, everyone? Happy Wednesday to you. Hope you're doing well. Hope you are feeling fine. And the Super Bowl of whitetail hunting is upon us. <sighs> the crowd goes wild. Uh, as you're listening to this, uh, well, yeah, I'm going to leave probably for Kansas sometime between Wednesday and Friday. So as you're listening to this, I'm probably on the highway. Got the Mav Bomber headed down the highway. Super stoked to get uh, back to the plains. Doing a little crawling and brawling uh, with the beasts on the ground. So looking forward to that. Hopefully I'll have some really good stories to tell. Um, when I get back from that trip, uh, it's two weeks, uh, solo. Uh, I do have some buddies that are going to be in the general and the same general area. Um, not sure if we'll get a chance to link up or not. Um, we may ride, drive past each other as we're driving in glass. And, uh, but by and large, this is a, a, uh, a solo trip. And I think the loose game plan is, is that, um, you know, if, if I were to be so lucky to fill a tag early, I might, um, 
do a little bit of hopping around, maybe visit some folks, depending on how much time I have left and stuff like that. Maybe I'd grab another tag somewhere. It just depends. But really looking forward to being in Kansas again. And uh, I've been chomping at the bit uh, basically since last year, uh, since things went kind of so- uh, sideways on me on that uh, on that seven-day hunt. But with that, we're going to go ahead and just jump into today's show. Um, I've got my buddy Austin Colbertson of Missouri back on the show. So if you remember, I don't know, sometime last winter right in the off season um actually it might have been the fall i can't remember the last time i had him on but uh we had him on last year and part of what we talked about a little bit was this deer that he had been chasing um that he had known of for a couple years and um he was putting his time in chasing that deer and just had a crazy hunt with that with that deer um hit him you know thought he might have killed him couldn't find him and he he kind of retells the story so I don't want to get into a bunch of the details um but end up you know I got a text message from him in the off season because you know he didn't know if that deer was dead or alive like nobody had seen him um after he had hit him uh and it's a giant Boone and Crockett deer and um I got a text message from him um over the course of the off season and he was like he's alive like somebody finally saw him and and actually they found his uh found his sheds and so that was the way he was able to confirm for sure that he was alive. He was able to actually see the sheds. Um, and so game was back on uh, for this year. Um, and uh, he's had so much history with this deer. He has a good beat on like where it lives and, you know, all that kind of stuff. He's easy to find, if you will. Um, and he talks about that. But, you know, at some points he's almost like a ghost deer to a degree. Um, and so uh, I'm not going to give away all the details of the story, but uh, it's a cool ending. It's a killer buck. Uh, Austin's uh, uh, a hell of a hunter. He's part of that kind of call them the the Missouri Four, like the guys from Missouri that I've had on that are just straight killers. Um, they've all killed great deer this year so far already. So, without further ado, we're going to go ahead and just jump into today's show. As always, thank you all for listening. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Truth from Stand Deer Hunting Podcast. And today, if you're watching the video, you'll recognize the gentleman's face and the flag, which I always appreciate behind you. It's the only one, only episode that I do that we have that, and I think it's very appropriate. Uh, but my buddy, Mr. Austin Colbertson, what's going on, man? You said that you appreciate the flag. It was the only what? It was. It's the only one, the only podcast episode that I that I do that that has the flag on it. So I'm always appreciative of it. Oh, well, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So how you been, man? You good? Very good. Yep. Still walking on cloud nine, I think. I bet, man. So you've had a week ago. Nice. Yeah. You had a, we'll get to the deer hunting part, but I think you even got, correct me if I'm wrong, but since the last time we spoke, you got married? Yes. Yeah. Got married in August. You're on cloud nine from that still, right? Yeah. That, that's, yeah, the big thing. Yeah. Right there. (laughs) Right. Got to make sure we get out, get that out of the way. August. Yeah. She was trying to do it in the fall. Um, now, the fall is a tough time to want to do that because then you've got, you know, I could do it once, but then you've got an anniversary every year. Mm-hmm. So I, I, uh, I begged and pleaded and we got it in end of August. And I, you know, I dream of going out West and getting to do some elk hunting. And I know it starts September 1st and I didn't want to get too close to opener for that. And, you know, always have an anniversary in the way. So right. got, it, got it done. Nice. Nice. The, uh, my wife's birthday is uh, 11th of November. So oh, no. Right. So it's like, I miss her birthday every year. Cause I'm always yeah. in Kansas or Missouri or wherever I'm at. Um, and she's just kind of gotten used to it to where, you know, I always pay for it on the back end though. It's like, I end up having to do something over the top to make up sure. for it. And then my daughter's birthday is at the very beginning of September. And so like the first week of like, 
you know, elk season for the most part is out for me. I messed up and I scheduled an elk hunt, not this season, but the season before and went out to Idaho and I missed my daughter's birthday. It's the first one I've ever missed. Mm. And she was like, not letting me forget it. So I'm like, all right, I can't do it. Like, it's gotta be like September 10th is like my elk time. Like if I'm going to go elk hunting, essentially. Yeah. I do it right then. See, I, my wife's birthday is October 7th. And we were actually this year, we were helping Jace, um, blood trail a deer. So mm-hmm. nice. that day, so awesome. she helped all, all day long. We, we looked for it. So. That's good. Then you, you married well, sir. Then if she's on the blood trail, dude, that's, she's not only on the blood trail, she's kind of, she's hooked. I tell you what, she's, she got so far into it. She's been, um, she's got her own mobile setup that I did not force her to pay for. She wanted to go out and buy it. She ended up getting a lone wolf custom gear 0.75 and she's tested out a couple of different sticks from people and she likes the shikars. So she's going with them. Like she's, She's dialed, you know, That's she's just awesome. kind of waiting on a good buck. So, right. Yeah. You'll be barring her gear is what I'm hearing. Yeah. I, I'm going to try those sticks out. I like them. <laughs> right. Right. That's awesome, dude. That's uh, that's cool, man. Whenever you can share that kind of stuff. It's funny you mentioned Jace, right? Cause I just had, um, I just had your buddy Hunter on Yep. and I was telling yep. him, I was like, dude, I was like, I was like, I've got the corner on like the Missouri guys. I was like, having about the podcast? I was like, I, I was like, I had you on. I've had Jace on a couple of times. Like, I had Hunter on. My, my buddy Justin Wright's from Missouri. You know, he's a slayer. I was like, Missouri's got some where, killers, where's dude. Justin, where's Justin from? If that doesn't give away too much about him. No, well, I don't. I forget where he's from exactly right now. I know he was. He cut his teeth in Southern Missouri. I want to say around the Mark Twain National Forest. Right? That's correct. Is that that's yeah, I want to say that's yeah, there. he. I think that's where he grew up. Actually, I'm almost certain that's where he grew up, and that's kind of where he cut his teeth hunting. And then I want to say he moved a little further north because now he's more in like ag country. Mm-hmm. And that was like a lot of what we talked about when we did a set when I, he and I did a session was just like it was actually people think ag country is really easy. He's like, but it was hard for him coming from more big woods and having to yeah, kind of big like, woods kind of hill country stuff. Yeah, from and the, then from southern Missouri, you're saying yeah, yeah, yeah. And then transitioning to farm country, he was like, I had to almost relearn everything. He's like, because everything I was doing in the big woods just didn't really apply as well, you know, in, in ag country. Um, mm-hmm. He's like, so for me, he's like, it was back, it was backwards. But yeah, he's a killer. But I was like, I have a corner on the, on the Missouri guys, dude. I was like, not only that, I was like, but you guys have like a crew that you guys just kill big deer, dude. Like, that's just, <laughs> I feel well, like you guys need to start like a, like a gang of some sort. We, I mean, we've got our own little text gang and everything, but we don't, uh, yeah, well, I guess they both, they both film all their stuff. I try to film. Mm-hmm. I'm, I think I'm one for four on actually getting deer on film and shot. Oh, I'm so bad at it. Self-filming yeah. is about the hardest thing in the world. It is. I, I'm kudos to all the people like on the, you know, the bowhunting.com that, that crew that have always done that. I've watched them for, I don't know how many seasons, but I never thought it was that hard, but it's very hard, but yeah. Dude, I- I've tried it a bunch of years. I actually messed up when a really big deer in Iowa because of a camera and mm-hmm. like, and I, and I told myself I was never going to film again because it's like, I just like screwed the whole situation up. It was like, it should have been a dead deer and it ended up not being. Um, and then every year I pull it back on. I'm like, I'm going to try it again. So this last buck that I just killed, you can't like the quick part of it is, is like, I saw him come in. I got him on film a little bit. Then he came out and he worked a scrape and I thought I had him on, but like the way the camera was, it was so far like off to my right that I, or off to my left, I couldn't see the viewfinder to see if I had him in frame. So I just had it backed out all the way and pointed it toward him. Right. 
because he spent a bunch of time like raking a tree, making a scrape. And I was just thinking to myself, I'm like, man, this is like great footage, you know? And then he starts walking where I was going to shoot him. And I kind of just moved it to where I thought he was going. And I said it and he walked in. And, and when I stood up to like draw my, the bag of my saddle, like my pouch on my saddle, hit the camera, moved it out of the way. So that the deer went out of frame. That's what, that's what happened to mine this year. I, I had everything on him. And then I, when I went to draw, I don't know what hit it, but I bumped it with my elbow or something. And it just, it scooched to the, to the left. And it got the deer running off, but yeah. I never, it never shot or anything. And I was just like, oh my God. Same like thing. I maybe just, I was just thinking to myself, well, and I almost didn't shoot. I almost let down Ooh. to fix it. I was thinking to myself, Austin, you are not that guy. What? No. Like, <laughs> you're, you're, you're deer. Like, I'm not filming this for anybody else. Like, who cares? Right. I want the deer dead, not this on camera. Right. I mean, sure, if both would be great, but if I had to pick one, it's always going to be the deer. Well, the saving, the, the thing, the same exact thing happened to me. It's like it moved out of the way. You hear the bow go off and then you see him run into the tim into the timber yeah. essentially. And like the area that I was in, like it was um, a bunch of swamp grass. So it was all red this time of year. And so I couldn't see blood for shit. Like oh, I found my yeah. arrow and I saw like the first spot of blood at impact, but like finding it otherwise. And it was all like wet and dewy in there too. So it doesn't like stick. It kind of starts running right away. You know what I mean? Like it gets thin. Red, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and so what really kind of helped me out was I went back and looked at the footage because I was like, what tree did he run in front of to get into the timber? You know, because I thought I heard him crash. Like, and I didn't think it was far away. Um, and so when I went back and looked at the footage, I could see what tree he went in front of into the timber. And I walked in there and there's like a little small like path you could see deer had been using. Mm -hmm. And then there was like an obvious opening of like, if a deer were going to travel North, like they would go, they would use this, you know? And so I sure. literally just turned and like, he was laying like right there. It was like, Oh, that's a wonderful ending. He was just right. How far did he go? I mean, from the tree that I shot him from, it was like mm, a little less than 40 yards. I think right around 40 yards, but a little, little less. I don't even think I've had one. I've had one deer run that little of a distance. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, I mean, I pulled the heart out. Like, I heart shot him. Like, it went right through his heart. It was... Yeah, I, I read your thing. It said it had a perfect... Oh, what, yeah. What brought it were you shooting that went right through it? Uh, tooth of the arrow is what I started shooting. The one inch, the small ones. Just because they okay. fly, like, you know... And I don't work with those guys at all. It's just, like, I've been playing hell trying to find a good broadhead for a couple years that I really liked that would take some damage. Because I hated, like... I wanted something I could resharpen or reuse, essentially. Because, like, when I find... Like, kind of like me, like... So that arrow is... This, that, that's the second deer I've killed with that arrow mm -hmm. because it just, it flies. Like, and I know it, like I have confidence in it. I know when I let it rip. Oh, that, that whole thing, that whole arrow. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, it's like yeah. broadhead, the actual arrow itself, you know? And yeah. so like when I find one that works and I can get it to fly exactly how I want it to fly and I shoot a cut, you know, I shoot some like target practice with it or whatever, just to make sure it's dialed and stuff like that. And when I find the one that flies, like I feel confident in that's the number one. And like, I will use that arrow until like, I, that's weird. Yeah. That, well, it's not weird, but that's, that's the same thing I do. Yeah. yeah. I, I shot my deer with arrow number one because yeah. it flies really, really good. And that will be arrow number one for me until like I lose it or it breaks. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? Like it'll just keep going back in the quiver like every, oh, yeah. every year, you know? Yep. But anyway, we didn't get on here to talk about what I have going on, man. We're going to talk about what you got going on, dude. Because so for anyone who didn't listen to the previous episode um, that Austin and I did, we talked a lot about just like your hunting approach and stuff like that. So we're not going to talk about that so much today. But there was a buck you kind of introduced 
um, on yeah. that episode called, I think you called him the wide one, right? Yeah. Were kind of, super original name. There. Super original name, right? Yeah. <laughs> we're not getting any points for creativity here. No, <laughs> but, it's, not, it's not a cool name. <laughs> right. Um, but so I guess I want to backtrack a little bit and talk about that, that deer, you know, mm-hmm. and how you kind of found him and, you know, what made like the hunt for him challenging kind of initially. So like, let's go yeah. back in the way back machine. Like when did you first find this deer? Um, first spotted him in the summer of either, was it 2019 or 2020 hunting? Yeah. So it'd have been 2020, I think. Mm-hmm. And okay. 2020 season, going into 2020 seasons when we first knew of him. It wasn't the first year I hunted him. Okay. But that's when we first knew of him. He was kind of spindly, uh, was always wide. That's where he got his name. But he he hadn't put on a bunch of tine length yet and hadn't put on very much mass. And then over the years, he was living in one core area, and we would watch him each summer, and he got bigger and bigger. And mm-hmm. then finally, um, the 22 season, last seasons, whenever I I really decided to dedicate my season to that deer and right. and i would find him in the summer times doing you know just summer scouting scouting from a high spot and um i would you know watch him throughout the summer and just see what he did and then that's that's kind of how i found him i don't know right do you want to go into <clears throat> what happened i guess yeah yeah well, I mean, we'll, we'll get there in a second well, yeah i, I would definitely want to get there because i want to get like the whole backstory before we get into the, uh-huh. to this this season but so when you when you found him and you you decided starting to start to hunt him, like what was it about that deer, like in that first season that you hunt that you hunted him, you know, or even like the seasons leading up to this this season where you, yeah. like what was it about him that made him challenging to hunt? Like what was his like so, superpower? Yeah, I, mean, I guess his superpowers was where he decided to live, and the more I've watched him, the more I think he's got more than just that. He the way he traveled and it, it was just crazy. I, he was, he was really smart. I mean, he was around a lot of pressure. That was a thing. And he lived with constant pressure from not just hunters, but from all kinds of people in the outdoors. And, um, so he dealt with that quite a bit. His, his thing, you know, he wasn't hard to find cause he had a core area, mm-hmm. but he was hard to hunt. And that's because he lived in a 200 acre uh, patch of CRP with no trees. There was one tree in the entire patch, and that's the tree I would get into to watch him. Uh, and that was it. And I couldn't, I, he would never come close to that tree. He was never within three, four, 500 yards of that tree. But I could watch him from that tree. And then my plan was always to, you know, every time I would see him, I would get down and try to make a play on him from the ground. But the stuff he was living in, was anywhere from four foot tall to 10 foot tall. Right. And it was 200 acres of it. So yeah. it, that was, that was how, why that deer was so hard to hunt. Right. That's crazy, man. Cause <clears throat> for anyone who's not hunted, like, <clears throat> excuse me, the West at all, you know, and, and people, when they think of Missouri, they don't think of necessarily, I, I don't think at least I didn't until I hunted it, right. that there was a bunch of like CRP kind of like patches and stuff like that. Like I always kind of thought of that as more of a, you know, a Kansas, Nebraska, maybe even like Eastern Colorado type of type of thing. Right. But there are spots, even like when you get into like some of the hill country that I hunted in Missouri, where you do have big patches of like CRP, which was just, yeah, I know. I remember where we talked about where you had hunted and yeah, 
you're absolutely right. I mean, there's there's big patches of CRP around there. Yeah. And tall. And it's thicker than the stuff out west. It's not like that. It's not just one type of grass. It's it's a lot of reeds mm-hmm. that are mixed in with, you know, a handful of different grasses that all get really, really big. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the shocking thing is too is how tall some of that shit will grow. Cause I know, yeah. you know, the spot that I was at, the specific spot that I was at in Missouri, the CRP was like I would say average height where a, a person could walk through it. And if a buck was mm-hmm. in it, just standing up, like you, you definitely see him. Right. But I've hunted some stuff in Kansas where it's like, I went to walk into one one time and like, I saw it on a map and I was like, I'm going to check this out. And I got there. I was like, yep. Nope. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Check it out. Like, yeah. I was like, I can't even see into it. I was like, I can't even, even from a vantage point, I was like, I couldn't tell you if there was a buck in there or not, even if there was one, you know, yeah. it was just like that, that was, tall. That was the problem this year was actually, the beginning of the year it was well late summer i had to give up on scouting him couldn't Hmm. see him the the rain that they got in that area of missouri um made that stuff so overgrown it's the tallest i'd ever seen it and you could not see a deer moving that if you were standing over top of it so uh, i mean it was underneath the tree that i was using um, it was like a minimum of eight foot tall Damn. and it was a sea of it for 200 yards or that's sorry, crazy. 200 acres. That's crazy, man. Yeah. So he, he just lived in there and it's not until they, you know, MDC starts managing it until you know, that's when you can actually get in there and hunt that deer is whenever right. they cut some of it or cut strips in it or, take out some crop close to it so that he might, you know, you might catch him using that or something like that. So, right. So when was the, when was your first encounter with this deer? Last year you're saying, yeah. or just, no, just in general, did you have an encounter with him before last year? Not hunting. No, not hunting. Okay. Just, no, just I, from observation. Never, yes. Yeah. I watched him for years before that, but, um, yeah, I watched him for 20, the summer of 2020 and the summer of 2021. And then it was the summer of 2022 when I decided I was going to hunt him, hunt him in 2020. And then now I've watched him. I watched him again in 23. But All right. So what was your first encounter with him in 22 then? Um, it would have just been seeing him from the tree. I knew exactly what I needed to do. It just was going to be hard to do it. You know, right. it was, uh, again, Easy to find in a way, easy to find might not be the right, but easy to know where he was, extremely hard to actually kill. Right. And I would, I, I think multiple times the happened the same way as I would see him walking through something slightly shorter where I could catch his rack, go, there he is, get out of my tree, which was 42 feet up high. Hmm. Um, I would, I would climb out of there as fast as I could get down and try to cut him off from where I thought he was going. And that was about the only way I thought i could kill him i think that would have been the only way to kill him right and i did that three i mean i hunted him every evening but i didn't see him every evening mm-hmm. and then i i think i had four different stocks on him before i actually shot him in on october 2nd mm-hmm. uh, last year yeah but so what was that all really- so what was that setup where you were you when you were able to get a shot off at him so that was it the exact, same thing you were just kind of describing where you were like, I see him, I'm going to try to cut him off. Yes and no. It's actually that. So all those first few times is before they did any cutting of like mm-hmm. CRP, but finally they had mowed some of the CRP 
they always do in early October. Um, and I was able to watch him that morning. And I, I think that that might be the more I, I do this and the more I've, I've at least hunted a couple key deer, the more important, I think an observation sit in the morning is pivotal to be able yeah. to kill them. Cause you get to watch where they go to bed, exactly where they go to bed. Um, and that's, that's what I did last year. And it's what I did this year. And I'll get into that. We'll get into that later, but, um, watched him go to bed in a specific spot and that afternoon slid in there on the ground watched him stand up and and he was walking through cornrows he got to the end of the cornrows sat down when we got on to stand up that's when i got a shot on him but it took getting some of that mode to even be able to make a move on him really right other right. than that it was you know futile to even right. try right so you had that hunt he released an arrow Right. When you, and cause I'm forgetting now from, from the yeah. last time we talked, like, did you, when you released that error, did you feel like it was a, a fatal shot? Yeah, I did. Um, I was, so Jason and I were hunting together and, um, we both did once he didn't get to see the shot take place, but just based on the blood spray and everything, I, I shot him at 22 yards mm-hmm. on the ground and he was just standing and tall enough stuff that I couldn't, I couldn't even really see his body hardly just his back mm-hmm. and I had to guess and I just you know I prayed that my arrow would would find a find a home behind his shoulder there and it just well I sent you a picture just a second ago just so you could see it hit him square in the shoulder um and actually I I guess I was, I mean I got to open him up right so I know exactly what uh right. what happened it broke his shoulder the arrow went in through that shoulder um, into his chest cavity and punctured one lung hmm. okay. and he, he lived. So, but I, I thought it was fatal. Um, we had, you know, blood spraying four foot high on the corn. I watched him run off. He actually jumped over me. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. On, whenever I was, I had to get out of the way and he jumped over <laughs> me and then um, he kept running, you know, running off with my arrow sticking in his side I guess I thought it had better penetration. I didn't realize I'd hit him right in the shoulder at the time. But uh, tough deer that he he lived. I don't know. So, yeah, definitely thought it was fatal at the time. And I spent the remainder of my season looking for him. I I didn't really – I never even pulled my bow back on another deer the rest of the season. So Yeah, their will to live is ridiculous. Yeah. It's – yeah like that someone stick me in the shoulder with a broad head and one lung. Like I'm, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> I'm going to lay down. Yeah. <laughs> lay down side, I don't Right. He probably went out chasing yeah. does that night. <laughs> no, I, well, not really, I'm but chasing. that was October, but you know what I mean? Well, looking back, we may have seen him one time when I was scouting in late November. I think, uh, Hunter and I were, were watching from two different places and we, he calls me and he goes, are you seeing what I'm seeing? I said, I'm seeing a big body deer with a, a really long main beam. I said, mm-hmm. I can't tell you. It was like 12, 1300 yards away. But I was like, I can't tell you if it's him or not, but it sure does look like him. Right. So that turns out it probably was because I guess to, to keep going in the story, that's where that general area, which was different than his core home area. Um, that's where a friend of ours ended up finding his shed. Okay. Letting me know that he was alive. Okay. So, right. Cause I remember, you know, when we talked the last time, you know, that was the thing, like you weren't, 
you know, I think you were still on the fence yeah. as to whether or not he was alive or not. Yep. Had no point. idea. So, so it was so after probably, that, I think our podcast was in February Yeah, and it was late February, just a few weeks after our podcast, I think, um, I got a, a picture of a shed. Yeah. The, uh, so what are you thinking after? So like you, you, you hit him, you think it's fatal. Then you come to find that it, that it's probably not right over, over time. Yeah. Like, what are you thinking at that point? Like, what are you, what's your, what are your thoughts? Right. Cause this is like, this isn't like your run of the mill deer. This is a big deer. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think that shed, um, from, I never, I've never gotten to see it. It's a friend of a friend's and eventually right. I'd like to buy that from, from this, this person. But, um, it's a, yeah, it's an 80 inch shed. Yeah. So it's an absolute it was a monster at the time and um what am i thinking well i before i knew he was alive or dead i was just hoping he was still alive and that i would be able to hunt him the next year and i think i went back and listened to our podcast just to kind of you know think about some of you know listen to some of the things we talked about then and i think at the very end of it you asked me the same thing and it was i'm gonna look for the wide one you know hopefully he's alive on him so right yeah that was my mindset and once I got that message, it was like brought tears to my eyes just to know he was, you know, still alive and I could, I could potentially hunt him again. Right. What, uh, when you think back on it, you know, that kind of hunting him, observing him, being able to get close to him, finally getting an arrow off like at him. Right. And then you go through like, don't know if he's alive or not. Mm -hmm. How did that kind of whole experience shape your strategies for him going forward so then you find you find out the shit like someone found a shed right and so now you know he's alive and like look man you, i know what i would do like immediately as soon as i know that that deer's alive it's like i'm already thinking about how am i going to hunt him you know what i mean like oh, it's yeah. already like started like i'm already think and so i'm just curious for you like how did how did that start to shape that experience start to shape like your strategies as you start thinking about this coming year well, I'll say this, even it, I've not even said this to anybody, maybe Jace, I had a lot of self-doubt um, after that, you know, it was really, it really hit me hard, you know, like I, I'd never tried so hard to kill one deer and then it not happened. And then hearing he was alive, I almost still had self-doubt about it. You know, I was, I was kind of struggling with it. It was like, I'm going to go hunt this deer that's immortal, you know, mm-hmm. that I, I can't, I can't seem to kill. You know, right. that I, no matter, no matter what I do, I, I don't think I'm going to, like, I secretly thought I was never going to kill him. Right. You know, I wanted to, but it was, I don't know. I had a, I, I hated it, but that's how I felt. Um, right. But I knew that my mission was still going to be the same, that I was going to go after him. So I, I knew that it was just going to come down to watching him in the summer, um, finding if he was using the same core area, if he was using a new area. And, and kind of making my plan from there. But, you know, the biggest thing is definitely getting eyes back on him mm-hmm. and, and watching what he does. That's, right. that's what I've learned is, has been the best thing for me is, is just getting as much time watching him as I can. Right. So did you, so after that first encounter, <clears throat> did you, for like for the upcoming season, did you adjust like, did you make any adjustments based on that experience? Even if it was, even if it was small, like, you know, like I 
I well, I told myself I would never take a shot, and that was that wasn't clear ever again. No matter what, yeah, I won't. I that's just, um, I I just that that is an adjustment, I guess, in itself. Is that yeah, I you know I shot him through, and that was some, that was a dilemma I had had was whether to shoot him in that tall grass or not, and I chose mm-hmm. to, and in that you know. In that moment, I thought it was the right thing. And now looking back, if I can't see his vitals perfectly and I can't make a a perfect ethical shot just for me, I'm not saying it's wrong because I know plenty of people get away with it. But, um, you know, it can cost you and it can yeah. wound a deer for, you know. So for me, that was a big adjustment was like coming to the realization I will not take a shot that's not perfect. Um, it's hard to make a 22 yard shot less perfect. But when you have stuff right. in the way, you know, yeah. Yeah, um, I shot the, more. I shot more than I ever really have. You know, between yeah, I I love to shoot. It's something I I do anyway. But this last season, I just shot and I shot and I shot and I shot just to make sure if that moment ever came back again, whether it was that close or if it was further, that I was going to be ready. And really, because you know, I think everybody struggles a little bit target panic. Maybe not like Hunter, you know, but. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't think that guy does. <laughs> no, I, but I, you know, I worked with yeah. guys like, like Hunter and, and Jeff and kind of learned their mindset when they're shooting and had them help me and give me some tips and even Jace, mm-hmm. uh, just so that when the time came again, if it did, I would just be that much more ready. But right. other than other, like a strategy wise, no, I think no, but that's was, a great, that's a great point though, because it's like, you know, the part that you could control was the part you were going to control, right? It's like you knew how to find him. You knew, you know, you didn't know exactly what this upcoming season was going to present as far as like opportunities, but you knew how to kind of go find him. Then you knew you're going to have to kind of be creative a little bit, you know what I mean? And and time it right to try to get the opportunity. But the only, and that wasn't going to always necessarily be under in your control. You know, what Mm -hmm. was going to be in your control was taking the right shot and being able to execute it whenever the time came. Right. Yeah. And the thing is, is like a lot of people I think ha- do learn that the hard way. Right. It's yeah. like, I think a lot of, a lot of guys are way, I won't say way, but are overconfident in their abilities to shoot, you know? Mm-hmm. Cause I always say, it's like, I'm not a great archer. Like I'm not like, I'm not like Hunter. Few people are right. Yeah. But you know, you put me on like a 3d course and I'll shoot. Okay. Like you know, some shots I'll, I'll look like by God, that guy can shoot. And then there's some yeah. shots where it's like, dude, what's that, what's that guy doing with a bow? You know, yeah. not, that, not that bad. Yeah, but, down, right. <laughs> right. But you know, you know what I mean? Right. But it seems like for whatever reason, whenever like, you know, shit gets thick, you know, in the moment, it's like, I, I'm able to make a shot. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I'm able to put it where I need to put it, you know, um, small things like like i lost the one in missouri that hit a small twig we went back and looked at the footage like i never saw it but i mean that arrow was like dead nuts it still hit him dead nuts where it was supposed to hit him it just hit him sideways so it slapped him you know what i mean it's like so so for me it's like you know that is the one thing that i can control so i do shoot a fair amount you know what i mean because like i try to be as good as as good as i can be um but you're controlling Mm -hmm. that that one thing so that's a huge adjustment no yeah like like you said it's almost two parts right it's i'm controlling how good of a shot i am but i'm also controlling when i decide to take a shot yes because i think that that those are two different things i think you can totally different things you can think you're too good of a shot and then make it and try to pull off some hero shot yeah you know 
and I don't know if that's what I was doing. I don't think you were. Cause I mean, I think like the way you described it to me and stuff, it's like, I feel like 98% of guys, you know, would take that, would take that shot. You know what I mean? Like, and I, like, that's a great point. Been the only chance the entire season that I was going to be that close to that deer with that much of his body exposed. Yeah. Like it was that, you know, he was that hard to get into open, right. you know, range. And so I think going back to what, you know, the point I guess I was trying to make when I got off on a tangent was like knowing what your limitations are, right? Mm -hmm. Like that was the other part you were controlling. And because for me, it's like the point of me saying like, I don't shoot well in a 3D course, but I shoot okay whenever I'm in the woods. But it's like that 3D course, like errant arrow every now and then is what keeps me kind of like sane and in check of like what my abilities are. You know what I mean? Where it's like, dude, you ain't Levi Morgan. You ain't Hunter Hogan. Like, you know, that's gotta be a good shot for you to take it. And it played out last year in Kansas where it's like, I had the deer I was trying to kill at like roughly 25 ish yards with enough light to put the pin on him. So I had enough legal shooting light that I could shoot him, but I knew where he was at, that there were saplings in front of him. And I knew that they were roughly vital, vital tie because I was in there vitals high because I was in there like three days before that to kind of like figure out where I wanted to kind of set up when I got the right wind. Mm-hmm. And I ended up not taking the shot because I couldn't see the small saplings that he was standing in to know that he was clear of them, that I wasn't going to have a deflection. And so I just didn't take the shot. You know, I think that's the, that was the right decision. Yeah. And it's so like, as much as you wanted to probably shoot him, that yeah, that's when you wound a deer, you know, you break its leg or you, you know, whatever you, yeah. you shoot it shoot it forward, you shoot it back, whatever happens. But yeah, but that was me checking my ego going like, yeah, dude, you ain't, you ain't that smooth. You know, no. <laughs> you know but, what I mean? You can't, it doesn't matter how good you are. You can't decide what that arrow is going to do if it hits something. That's it. Yeah. You know? And it does some weird stuff, man. They do. You know, they, you know, like even when they hit deer, like again, that deer that I shot this past week, like shoulder, heart, it came out his armpit and went into his left leg. And then mm-hmm. it ran, and then it went down his leg and then came out like the bottom of his, like by his foot. Like, oh and so God. it traveled the bone like partially and then came out. It's super, it was super weird. Like where the holes That's were. It. Yeah. And like, huh. I've heard of that, like watching like ballistic stuff with, with bullets, because people always say like when a bullet gets inside of a body, it does weird shit. Like it'll hit it'll you in one place. Around. It'll travel yep. down a leg and like whatever. It'll just follow the path of least resistance, right? It's going to follow the bone till an exit point or whatever. But yeah. it was, it was, you know, odd. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's a great point, man. Like you're going to control the things that you can, um, that you can control. So we're going to fast forward now to this, to this year, right? You're getting ready. The season's getting ready to kick off. Like what's your, what's your plan of attack? So I guess I'll start. I found him again. Uh, the first time I went to look for him, I think it took me from the time I picked up my binoculars, probably 15 seconds to find him. <laughs> he was exactly i mean i watched him all the previous summers mm-hmm. and he was exactly where he always sits in the 200 acres and it was like gotcha you know it's the most it was killable like, unkillable deer ever it is it was just like <laughs> gosh, dang it you know like here you are but i was so putting eyes back on him was something i've never experienced as far as you know seeing a deer for you know it almost feels like seeing him for the first time but um you know I knew he was alive and then I kind of waited until I knew I'd be able to pick him out of a crowd if there was more than one deer. Mm -hmm. And I pulled up my binoculars. I said, let's just see. And I looked right where he usually sits and there he was. I did. I mean, immediately what I noticed was that sadly, uh, still a great deer, but Mm -hmm. he, 
immediately he was not nearly as wide. Mm-hmm. Um, he had dropped four scoreable points hmm. um, and a little bit of mass. Hmm. It's him. I mean, all of his character, it's, ever, it's everything that's him. It's just he right. kind of, he kind of came in a little bit and dropped some mass. Um, that shed, for instance, uh, his bases were over six. And then the bases on when I killed him were mm-hmm. four and a half. Okay. Yeah. So he, he dropped, I mean, he was hurting still. Yeah. From that from that shoulder um but he was still a great deer i was guessing he was probably in the mid 160s mm-hmm. now but it didn't matter you know no. it was like oh he's still he's still my deer you Dude, know like that, I you got that history with him and stuff man yeah. i mean that's like yeah, i mean the- i'm never gonna scoff at a 160 anyway don't get me you know, <laughs> right <twisted>. but I, <laughs> I i just mean it like you know at one point he was truly like i said like it was an 80 inch shed he was and he was probably 20 three to 24 wide. Um, so he was in the low. Yeah. Yeah. Low to mid eighties. Right. Um, somewhere in there, especially with he, you know, he no longer had his G fives. Um, and he no longer had split brows. So, I mean, still, like like I said, great deer, amazing deer, um, but had just lost a little bit. And I, that was the first thing I noticed. And it kind of made me sad that I did that to him. Right. I was like, damn, that was all me. Right. So, yeah. So you immediately find him, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> you're like, look right where he's at, where he's supposed to be. And, he, and he's, yeah, and he's I probably there. didn't even need to watch him the rest of the summer after that. It was like, well, there he is, you know, and that's kind of how right. I felt, but I did still do my due diligence and go back and watch him. But one thing I did notice was, like I said, towards the end of the summer, I couldn't find him. I knew he was in there, mm-hmm. but it, the stuff was so tall that there was, it was impossible to see him. And I right. knew that I was not going to be able to hunt that deer until something changed. Right. There was corn on, on one side of this CRP. And I told myself, probably until that, that corn is cut or until they cut the CRP, you're not going to get in here. And that all kind of happened at once for me, actually, hmm. uh, around the 1st of October. Okay. So that was going to be my next question is like, you know, so you, you've located him now, you know, and mm-hmm. then shit gets super tall and you can't really see him. You yeah. Know, what's your, so like what you're, so you're kind of saying your game plan is like something has to change. You know, they got to cut something in order yeah. for me to get a chance. So, so I mean, in reality, I went and, well, I did one day I hunted somewhere else just to like get a hunt in on September 15th. And there were some other good deer I'd found. There was only one other deer I would even consider shooting other than him. But my heart always was set on, you know, shooting the wide one. But right. I went and sat there and then by, that was on a Saturday and Sunday, I was already, over at the wide one, even though I told myself I couldn't, I'm literally sitting in the tree looking around at nothing. I mean, I'm just staring at, <laughs> at the grass. And, I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> you know, I hunted there uh, a morning and an evening and I was like, okay, I got to get out of here until there was no reason for me to muck it up. Right. Right. Yeah. I can sit there and, and give that, eventually give that deer a clue that I'm there. Uh, he'd catch my wind eventually or something, but I stayed right. out until, um, until they, they end up cutting the corn and they end up, and I was keeping tabs on that, right? I was right, watching yeah. that. I could, um, until they cut the corn in a few lanes in the CRP, I wasn't going to go back in and they finally did. And I said, okay, right. I, right. I, here's my, here's my time. Now was, was that deer being hunted by anybody else that you know of? Eventually. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Turns out more than I thought, because when I killed him, <laughs> I was getting a bunch of texts from other people who had also taken video of that deer from not this year, but the year before. Okay. 
Did they have, do you know whether or not they had much of an idea of like where exactly he was living and what he was doing? One guy. One guy did? One one guy did because, um, so they cut all the corn and and some of the CRP on Friday. This would have been, I'd have to look at the dates, but they, I'll just say, I, it was Friday. They cut it all. And on Monday I killed them. So we'll just, we'll go there. Oh, I didn't, I never got that sent to you. Um, so they cut everything on Friday and Saturday morning went and watched for him. Didn't see him Saturday evening. I went ahead and I went and sat in my, my tree, my, you know, my, um, observation, observation tree. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the, there was a guy who I guess had seen him and slid about 120 yards in front of me on the ground. Okay. I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, someone's in here and going to kill this deer. And it's dude, how know. tragic would that have been if he would have killed that deer in front of you? <laughs> oh. Very. Yeah. But Very. he's a good guy. Yeah. Good guy. He he had every right to hunt it too. So yeah. Um we ended up talking later in the in the parking lot and stuff and even went to dinner and, and stuff like that and talked about that deer. So nice. Um but he and he ended up bowing out. So that was really, really cool of him. Uh, he, he called me the next morning and he was like, Hey man, I just wanted to let you know I'm, I'm bowing out. I want you to go kill this deer. So that's really, awesome, really dude. cool of him to, to let me just be able to hunt that alone. But, um, you ain't find so, many guys like that, dude. You know what no, I mean? Like no, that's that was, awesome. Yeah. Cause he knew how big that deer was too. So, yeah. Really cool of him. So yeah, there was, there was that, and he was really the only threat to that deer. Cause he, he knew what is, was up. Like he was, he knew what was up. yeah. Yeah. He knew it was up. He knew what the game plan was in order to try to get an opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. He knew. He knew. So I, yeah. and I was scared. Like when I watched, I was like, oh my God, my deer is dead. <laughs> like, he knows something I don't and my deer is dead. Right. Um, and I, yeah, I was having a little mini panic attack, but. Uh, right. Anyway. Yeah. It's so, like he didn't, uh, I might have started yelling from the tree like, hey, like trying to get <laughs> like, alert the deer. something like. Oh gosh. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, anyway, that was. Uh, that was all Saturday. Sunday, I I hunted for him, watched for him, didn't see him. Hunted for him Sunday night, didn't see him. Um, and then Monday morning, was- yeah. So that's let, let's go. Let's let's do this. That's so yeah. Monday. Monday's the day, right? Yeah. So which I now I haven't seen him, which has been strange. I know that other guy saw him one time. Right. But now I'm wondering, did he get bumped or something? Is he out right. of that patch or is he staying low because he smelled, smelled somebody or, you know, what right. happened? So. so what are you thinking for like, so, so what did they, they cut lanes in the CRP at this yeah. point? Right. And they pulled out all the corn. Yep. Okay. Yep. Although all, right. all the corn, except for like 12 rows along, along the edge, they were, okay. they left yeah. it for, you know, 800 yards they left that so he could have been in that i didn't really know where he was right all right so you're getting ready to hunt him on monday like Mm -hmm. what's what's the plan because last time it was you know on the ground you know using that they removed some stuff you know using that to your advantage yeah what is your what is your plan here what is the thing that you're kind of banking on to like the the reason i even would hunt in the mornings was not to kill him Mm-hmm. I did not expect ever to kill him in the morning at all. And I didn't, but, mm-hmm. um, it was always to watch him go to bed. Mm-hmm. 
if I could watch him go to bed, I was, I had real live accurate information of exactly where that deer was bedded down and I could get, you know, between him and whatever food source or whatever he was trying to do. That was mm-hmm. always the mission. Did he have consistent exit routes out of where he was bedded in that spot? Cause I mean, at this point you haven't seen it, but you have to think in your mind, yeah. he hasn't changed in years. Why would he change now unless he got bumped some way somehow, but he has to, he has to almost be in that same spot, right? That's, that's what I thought, Yeah, but it wasn't true. But, uh, that's, that's <laughs> plot what twist. was crazy. It is. It's a plot twist. So I'm, I, I mean, I'm guilty of, of really putting this deer into a box mm-hmm. um, and forgetting he's a live animal with a brain, you know, like that right. goes and does other things. So I, um, I, I was, I'm always looking for him in one spot. You know, I'm always, mm-hmm. I'm always waiting for him to walk back into the same bedding area. And I didn't see him. Oh my gosh. Again, you know, this is, you know, three days in a row after this stuff's been cut and, and I haven't, you know, three and three mornings in a row, I have not seen him. What's going on. And it's like seven forty-five, almost eight o'clock. And it just so happened that I I turn around and I look all the way down this cornfield, like eight, nine hundred yards away that I've never even seen him over there. And I see some does and I see a a deer, a really big body deer thrashing some corn stalks with his with his antlers. And I'm like, what the heck? You know, I had never really seen that. And I never really see bucks right where he where that buck was. And throw up the binoculars, I could see it's a good one, and throw up my camera, which has got a 125 zoom on it. And I'm like, mm-hmm. This is a wide one. You know, like, what is, what is he doing down there at eight o'clock? It had been, right. been light for an hour. Right. So I was shocked. Now it was overcast and it was kind of foggy. Mm-hmm. And I think that played a part into it. But, uh, yeah, he was completely out of place. Hmm. He would all, by 715, he was always back in the same exact spot every day. And he wasn't there and I never saw him. And I was very curious at what he was doing. And then I see him like almost a thousand yards away thrashing corn stalks at eight, you know, <laughs> broad daylight. <laughs> yeah, broad daylight. And that was the mistake he made. And, and the real mistake he made was he w- I think he got caught up not realizing it was as late as it was mm-hmm. because then he only, he, he had to slide into a very tiny bedding area. Um, he went, he was down there on that corner of that field and, um, there was about a two acre little CRP patch with some trees in it that I watched him walk into. I mm-hmm. said, well, you want to do that? You might just die. You know, like right. that, that's what I needed to see. I've never seen him do that. Do you think I've he never was doing that previously? Do you think he was doing that at other times and you just never noticed it? Maybe. I, I can't say for certain, but every time I, every other time I'd seen him ever go to bed, which was a lot of times, um, he didn't. He had never done that. And I don't know if it was because of the other guy that was in there hunting, uh, mm-hmm. potentially bumped him or, or, you know, smelled that area up. And so he was a little uncomfortable in there because mm-hmm. he was right. That guy was right in his bedding area, really close. Mm. So um, I don't know if that changed it. And he kind of was using a secondary bedding area and that was, that was it. Or he just, you know, stayed out a little late, you know, hanging out. And was like, right. And then was like, oh shit, I got to get to bed. Like I can't get yeah, over I gotta, there. I got to get out of you know and he would he didn't realize it and then he slid into that thing that's almost what i think happened is that he was probably making his way back up there but just was coming back a little late 
And so he decided to duck into that stuff. So it really allowed me to kind of have the ball in my court for one time. Right. Right. Um, All right. So you see him go to bed in that, in that spot, right? Did you actually see him bed down or did you just realize like, okay, it's this time and he's had, he's bedded somewhere in the two acres. Yeah. There was nowhere else he could go. Okay. I would have, he would have had to cross more open ground to get to another thick area. Got it. For the most part. I mean, kind of, but there was one other option he could have done, which was go into that, which I saw him go into that. And then he would have had to loop around a long way, kind of exposing himself for too long to get back to his normal spot. His bed. Yeah. Right. Okay. So I had every indication to believe that he was bedding in that exact spot. Right. So now the challenge here is, is that because you've never seen him do that before, it's like, you have to think about like, well, what's his exit for this spot? Like how, where's he want to go and where's he coming out of? That was kind of the fun part was that for once I kind of got to like dissect a new thing that he might do. Mm-hmm. That was so much more fun than, you know, <laughs> the same old thing I've been doing with this deer. Right. Um, but I know he always used like low, low spots to move. Mm-hmm. Anytime he was in that, that big 200 acres, he would use ditches. Mm-hmm. Like the ditches, it was a flat field, but he would find the ditch and he would always work the ditch. Mm-hmm. And there was a CRP patch and on the back of the CRP patch, if you wanted to get out of there and get to like the next thick thing to, to move, you were going to move, you could come out the back side of this thing on the South end of it and, and move through a, a low spot, like a, a ditch that came down. Hmm. And I, that's, that's what I guessed he would do. And there was, there's one tree back there on the back side of that. That was about, I think it was about 50 or 60 yards away from the bedding area. Mm-hmm. And then if he used that ditch, he would only be like, 15 to 18 yards away. Right. So what wind did you need for that setup based on where you thought he was bedded? The exact tree was at? <sighs> Yeah, it was, I, as soon as he walked in there, I was like, you're dead. You're, you're so like, I mean, I say that now, but I right. really, but in, your, but in your mind, you were like everything I need to have right. Yeah. Is, is lining up for me to go in and have. Yeah. I needed a North, I needed a North wind. Because I could get south of it in a tree. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that's what I had. I had a north wind. And I got in there. I pulled my set. I grabbed some food. And I was set up by like 1230, 1 o'clock. Mm-hmm. I was just going to see if he made any move at all. Hunter, oh, yeah. was mad ever, Hunter was mad I left for food. He was like, what are you doing? He's like, you need to go <laughs> sit on him all day. I'm like, you're right. <laughs> I felt, I felt stupid that I left, you know? <laughs> right. I know. So I, I, know. I got in there really, really quiet, made, you know, took, took my time because I knew this was probably my one true chance mm-hmm. to kill him from a tree, to kill him, you know, where again, my ball was kind of in, or the ball was kind of in my court. Um, so took my time. I only was one stick high. Couldn't get any higher because this tree was, uh, you know, kind of gnarly and I wasn't mm-hmm. going to try to break any branches or anything, yeah. you know, it was, I got one stick high and, and set up and sat there in that, um, 0.5 and from like 1230 to 645, I was kind of aching by then in that little stand. <laughs> right. But, um, yeah. Nice. That's, so, so, so you're set up, you're one stick mm-hmm. high and, uh, you got that, that the wind that you need. Yep. And, it's, you know, getting, getting to closing time, right? Prime times coming up. Like, yeah, what, I mean, what, what are you thinking like, now? 
So right around five o'clock, um, every doe in the county decided to pop out into the field in front of me. And I was <laughs> oh. like, that's, that was a good sign. Honestly, I was like, this is this is great because um, it made me feel like he might get up earlier, but it also put a lot of eyes on me. And I was that's like, what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. But they were they were probably at the minimum. They were like 60, 70 and maximum oh, okay. they were all the way 200 to 300 yards away they were right they were just feeding out in the field and they paid no mind to me and i my wind was perfect the whole evening and uh i was just hoping i was going to see him i didn't think he would do what they were doing i did mm-hmm. not expect him to just come out in broad daylight on this field and start feeding and he didn't uh he did exactly what i thought he would do being a smart old buck he popped out the backside. And started to work his way down the drain. And I was like, I'm going to have a, you know, I, I saw him kind of, he kind of bounded out of that tall stuff. So it kind of surprised me, mm-hmm. grabbed my bow real quick, tried to get the camera on him. And, um, he, uh, he bounded out stuff and he started to come down the ditch. And then he actually slid back in to the edge of that, the bedding area to, uh, work a scrape and mm-hmm. like a licking branch. And, that that was just my my one opportunity i had it was 57 yards mm-hmm. and he was working that kind of in a there was a there was a little hole it was clear mind mm-hmm. you there was a little gap right on all of his his entire body his head i couldn't see hardly because he was messing with the licking branch but um i could see his whole body and i range 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 56 56 57 right in that that area and um Got the camera on him, of course, bumped it out of the way, and I, I drew back. And this was definitely, I'm, I think the proudest part for me is, is what I did in my shot, mm-hmm. which was, I was there. I was conscious, like, conscious. Like, <laughs> I didn't, there's so many times where I don't really remember the shot or remember talking myself through the shot, and this was not that case. I knew, I'd already messed up once on this deer. So this was like my, you know, my redemption shot and I needed Mm -hmm. to make it happen. And that's definitely the farthest shot I've ever taken on a deer. Mm -hmm. Um, But I practice out to 80 every day. And so Mm -hmm. 57 felt pretty doable. Right. Um, Not that I ever want to shoot one at 80, by the way. I don't ever want to shoot 57 again, but um, I wasn't going to, seeing him standing broadside, I wasn't going to let this opportunity go by. And my pin fell on him one time and I almost squeezed. You know, as soon you know how that pen gets yeah, on, you, yeah, just, yeah. you just want to pop it. Well, I I didn't do that. It's something I've been practicing on a deer target at my house is letting my pen float on mm-hmm. that deer for a while, just getting comfortable having it float around on the target I want to shoot. And I did that. I stayed way off his shoulder because I wasn't having any of that again. Right. I was I was really t- intentionally shooting for center mass. He was slightly quartered away, so it was perfect. For what i wanted to do and shot that arrow and i can see it in slow motion just sticking him right in the middle of the body damn so did you were you conscious enough to where you like watch the arrow disappear through him like where it's like poof, and you just like well it never disappeared through him but yeah okay. i remember i remember everything i was shooting a rage 2.3 mm-hmm. so it's a really big cut yeah um and it takes a lot of energy going through him to get a it was buried up to the fletchings Mm-hmm. But it did not, it, it got a full pass through, if you will, but right. you know, it came out the other side. It just didn't, it didn't go all the way through them. Right. Um, so I, I, and in turn, I actually enjoyed that because 
as he ran off and I did get him on video running off, I got to see right where I hit him. Right. Which was like starting in the liver and it looked like it was coming out behind the shoulder. Right. So, so so what, what, what are your initial thoughts after releasing the arrow? Um, I watched him run off with that arrow directly in his side and I knew no matter what, that's a dead deer. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I kind of, I sat back and took some time to myself there. I, I, I remember, you know, kind of freaking out for a sec and then I, I sat there, I laughed and then the laugh turned into like a, a adrenaline dump, like ugly cry, you right. know, <laughs> like, I've never even done that. like I was like, who, what is happening here? You know, like, I'd right, never even right. felt adrenaline like that in my life. I, a laugh turned into like a, a little cry and I'm like, Oh God, right. happy guy. But you know, it was just, it meant a lot to me and it was, it was a pretty crazy feeling to, to know that that was coming to an end. Right. So. Yeah. Well that, and I mean, it's like you had, you know, so much time wrapped up in that deer, you know, that I mean, he just, he was literally a part of your life for multiple seasons, yeah. you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Really just kind of, like I said, kind of screwed me up and gave me a lot of self doubt over the last year of, of hunting after that, you know, like I just, mm-hmm. so getting to kind of finish the job really, um, gave me a lot of confidence back. Right. Yeah. And that's probably like the bigger thing, like, as opposed to like, it's, it's what those it's, it's, yeah, it's what the deer mean to you. But sometimes whenever you have those challenges that you're Mm -hmm. trying to overcome, it's that personal growth that means a bunch to you is what kind of hits you, you know? Yeah. Like being able to just stay focused in the moment and do what was necessary. Yeah. Um, to actually finish the job was like, that's why I said, I'm so proud of the shot. It's, it's not so much like the distance or anything. It was just the discipline within the moment that yeah. I, I really look back and appreciate and I'm, right. and I'm proud of myself for. So, yeah. So what, uh, how has the, uh, I guess the, um, the journey, if you will, will of chasing this deer, like, cause yeah, yeah, it's a filled tag and it's, and it's an awesome deer and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and all the, you know, the accolades that come with, you know, shooting a deer like that. But like, how has it impacted you as a, as a hunter? Like not just from like a tactic standpoint or a strategy standpoint, like has, has it taught you anything or has it changed you at all? Like hunting this deer? Yeah. Um, you know, I'd say the biggest lesson was probably what I said was that you can't put a deer in a box. Mm-hmm. maybe and i'm not very good at articulating what i mean i think but um i really thought i knew everything about this deer mm-hmm. i'd spent a lot of time watching him and i thought i knew every move he would make and i no we don't like i saw him a thousand yards away from where i normally see him and for some reason i'm surprised by that like it's not a deer that can walk around you know like i i was shocked that he would even be where he was and i I really shouldn't be. I need to be more open to like, um, you know, not just what I know about the deer, but what I don't. Right. So Man, that, that's a good lesson in life, not just in hunting, right? Like yeah. we don't always know what we think we know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Know? For sure. So I, I think that that's something I took away. Um, hopefully I think I built something there with, within that shot that I made mm-hmm. that I hope, hopefully I can take forward is just staying in that moment. Um, 
and really focusing in the shot. Like, don't let the the moment overtake you to where you can't execute a shot because that's something I've done in the past. And just you know, you just shoot arrows, and and it's mm-hmm. worked out most of the time. But you know, then there's been times it hasn't. So um, yeah, well, I mean, I, it's 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 that practice with purpose, right? It's like you know, since I've had this shoulder injury. Um, I might be shooting better than I've shot in a long time, but it's because I don't shoot a lot. I just shoot very intentional arrows. Yeah. You know, where it's like, I'll go out in my backyard and I can shoot out to about 53 to 55 yards, maybe whenever I, you know, stretch out in the backyard, but I'll go out and I'll have like maybe a target set up there and I'll have one set at like 26 or something like that. And I'll shoot just three arrows. That's it. You know? Mm -hmm. And those three arrows, I pretend like, there's only three errors I have. They're at three different animals, right? And like they got to, all three have to count, you know? Yeah. And it didn't get, it gives you, it removes the luxury of having do overs again. Even if it's just back in the backyard, like you're just like having an intentional shot sequence, like where I'm not, it's not a throwaway shot, you know? Right. Um, and I think that that's really important, you know? And then, you know, it sounds like that was kind of like your approach. Like if everything you did was very intentional. Yes. Yeah. You know? So. And if I can do that moving forward, I will. Now, something maybe I'm I take away is, gosh, I don't. I loved hunting one deer, but I hated hunting one deer. <laughs> I mean, I love it now because I finally got him. But right, yeah, hunting one deer is brutal. Uh, it's yeah. and passing other deer. I mean, I I guess I didn't even mention on the first night of of opener, um, I passed a deer that's knocking on one fifty at 13 yards jeez and i'm like sitting there staring at this deer i've got him on video at 13 yards walking in a creek bed and it could have been the most money video and shot i've ever had of my life and i didn't take it you know so i don't really want to have to do that again and you know i i'm yeah. glad you know, this outcome was was awesome it's better than i i could have asked for but right um i love i also do love hunting just deer you know, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know what I'll do next. I'm, I'm still up in the air. If next year I'll, I'll go after a singular buck again, or if I'll just kind of hunt the opportunities, you know, hunt like a coyote. We'll see. Right. Yeah. I don't know. That Dude, was a long two years. Yeah, it was. I'll, I'll be interested to catch up with you next year, uh, next fall and see how, uh, see if, if you have one in mind or if you're just going out and well, find, I'm sure I'll it. have one in mind. I say I want. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, it's, it's man. It's to think, but yeah. Well, well, dude, I'm super happy for you, man. When I saw that post, I was stoked. Um, and then as soon as I saw it, I was like, dude, we got to we gotta get on and talk about it. I got to hear about how this thing played out. Um, yeah. I'm glad that it finally came to a happy ending. Um, you know, I, I'm a firm believer in like all the hard luck that you have along the way just is, is for a reason, is for purpose, mm-hmm. right? And it, um, you know, creates a foundation, you know, for, to do challenging things going forward. Right. Sometimes you have to go through the suck to get to the good stuff, you know? And, uh, and so that's kind of how I felt about this when I saw that you killed this deer, I was like, it's very, very much appropriate. And it just builds a launching pad for even bigger and better things, man. I have no doubt. And I feel like we're going to be doing a lot of these with Missouri crew over the next couple of years. Cause you guys are yeah. straight killers and I'm coming to Missouri one of these years and hunting with you guys. Oh, I lost you again. Oh, lost you again there. Sorry. You said you, right. you have a feeling we'll have, we'll have a lot of these. 
Yeah, it's like I have a feeling we're gonna have more of these in the next uh, next few years with the uh, the Missouri Killer Group, and uh, and and then I'm gonna end up having to come hunt with you guys one year. Is what the yeah. what the plan yeah. is? Yeah, if you guys, when are you planning on coming to Missouri? Do you know? I don't know. I don't have any plans right now. Uh, um, I was actually thinking about it last night because uh, I don't know if I'm gonna draw Iowa next year or not, and I don't know if I'm gonna put in for it or not because I think I'll be on the fence. So what I was considering doing is I think I'm going to go back to Idaho to hunt elk. And then I think what I was going to do is maybe just hop to M- Missouri next fall. Okay, uh, cool. But if I kill one early in Kansas, the plan is to maybe swing through Missouri on my way home. So we'll see. Fingers crossed. You should, man. Yeah. You, you got a lot of guys, you know, now. That's right. That's right. That's I got tough. the, ki- I got the killer crew, you know, so I'm all, I'm all taken care of there, but, uh, well, I, don't, I don't know about that. We're, <laughs> we get once in a while. That's good. <laughs> nice man. Well, uh, I'm going to let you get out of here, man. But before I let you roll, um, let folks know where they can follow you, find out more about what you got going on. Cause you have a whole fishing side of things that you do too. So give people, uh, uh, some notice where they can follow what's going on with the, with Austin Culbertson. Yeah. Um, so Facebook and Instagram, you can go to Austin Culbertson fishing dot, or just Austin Culbertson fishing, Um, you can follow along there. I, uh, like, like you said, I, I fish for a living. So I travel the country fishing. I try to, you know, post every tournament recap and, you know, base stuff like that. So if you guys are interested in any fishing stuff, definitely follow along. And I, I do post all my hunting stuff there as well. It, it, it blows my mind. You're a better fisherman than you are a hunter. That's saying something. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I am or not. I, I, maybe I'm bad at both. I just get lucky every once in a while. But I don't know. All right, brother. Well, Hey man, thanks for coming on, man. I'll talk to you soon and uh, enjoy the rest of your fall. All right. You too, man. Good luck. All right, folks, that is a wrap for today's show. I'd like to thank all of you for listening. And if you haven't yet, please head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and be sure to subscribe to the podcast. And while you're at it, head over to YouTube and give us a sub there as well. I'd be super appreciative if you do those couple things for me. And before I shut this thing down, we need to give a big shout out to our partners who continue to help us make this podcast possible. Tethered, Exodus Outdoor Gear, and Genesee Beer. And until next time, we'll see y'all. All right, gang, the new Truth merch is in stock at truthfromthestand.com and on YouTube below any of the Truth From The Stand videos. I've got some new hats, beanies, t-shirts, long sleeve t-shirts, and sweatshirts. There's even a new do hard shit hat for those of us who like to embrace microdosing adversity. So head to truthfromthestand.com and check out the new gear and use the code TRUTH, T-R-U-T-H, and save yourself some cash on the new gear.